Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, sugar dating and personality traits. When I first got into sugar dating, there definitely was. I thought that, okay, sugar dating, there is this expectation where there has to be sex. You know, he's giving me something, I have to give something back in return. I started to be a lot more open because I felt like I was living two lives and I didn't want to have to hide certain aspects of my life from the people that I cared about. And that's when it sunk in. I was like, he was married the whole time. I really knew nothing about him. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is a sex worker who has been doing sugar dating for nearly a decade. This is McKenna King. So what is sugar dating? It's usually a younger woman uh, who is seeking a financial arrangement with typically an older gentleman, somebody who's established in their career, has you know some financial success, and uh, they agree on, on an arrangement for... Um, a relationship and as as opposed to like a traditional relationship it's it typically centers around the the financial aspect you know like there is an agreement of a certain allowance or um it, i mean it doesn't always involve an allowance there could just be like shopping trips or gifts or you know it's it's kind of a nuanced thing because not all arrangements are alike, but there is usually a, a financial aspect to it. So, you know, when we talk about an arrangement, right? Like, is this a verbal agreement that kind of gets worked out before that it even starts? Or is this something that you kind of figure out throughout the relationship? Or do you go in and it's like, nope, you're going to give me this, this, and this, and I'm going to do this? I, th I think that kind of depends on uh, how you find your sugar daddy or or whoever you're established this relationship with like for me personally um my first arrangement I didn't even really realize it was an arrangement until I was in it <laughs> and it, it just it just so happened I was living with an older gentleman he offered his home to me um under the condition that I looked after his dog and at the time I needed a place to live. I was like, fuck, I got to get out of my sister's house. So like this, uh, you know, this just kind of landed in my lap as an opportunity. And um, I, I didn't think of it in that sense as sugar dating then. But now that I kind of look back on it and, and reflect on it, um, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was an arrangement. He gave me a place to live. He, you know, paid all the utilities, paid all the bills, paid for all the food. I didn't have to worry about anything. All I had to worry about was taking his dog outside. <laughs> so it was it was pretty convenient. And then there was um, the sexual aspect to it. Like that kind of followed along afterwards. So um, of course it was, it was consensual. Like there was a discussion um, around it, um, but it wasn't under the, the scope of, it being an, an arrangement or sugar dating at that time, it just kind of fell into that. Um, it, it kind of 
opened a door to starting to seek that out. And there are different like sugar dating websites, you know, just like a dating website, except it's, it's specifically for that, for finding an arrangement. When we look at kind of the age differences that you've experienced, right? Like, are we talking five years, 10 years, 20 years, like 50 years? Like, what is the age range difference that you've generally dealt with? Um, I mean, I've, I've had arrangements with people closer to my own age. Um, I think the gap might have been it maybe like six, seven years. So he wasn't that much older than myself. And then I think maybe the the oldest guy I had been with was probably in his late 50s, early 60s. So there is like quite a bit of a, there can be an age gap there. And it, it depends on what you're looking for too, because I, I feel like there isn't, there is a certain um, demographic of men that don't necessarily want to have a, a really obvious, you know, when they're out in public, like age gap, right? Like they don't, they don't want that scrutiny from the public. Like, why is this old dude walking around with like a 20 year old college girl? So I think that's maybe that's kind of worked to my benefit because I'm in my thirties now and I've always been a little bit more mature for my age. So maybe I've kind of attracted that older, um, generation of sugar daddies and, that's it's worked for me but i've i've also been with guys who are um you know late 30s early 40s so i i think uh anybody who is younger than 30 is probably going to be a bit of a waste of time <laughs> and i i don't mean that to be rude to certain men who are still like um creating that financial success for themselves. But if I see a a profile on one of these dating sites and the guy's, you know, mid twenties, late twenties, I don't generally take it as seriously because I, I was barely financially established in my mid to late twenties. So you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt. Like, unless this, this guy's like a trust fund kid, like where are you getting this crazy amount of money where you can have um, this kind of financial relationship, like how are you affording it? And is it something that's going to be sustainable? So it, you know, it, it kind of, I, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of guys out there who maybe they can afford that in their, you know, in their twenties. But I also prefer finding somebody who I'm going to be able to relate to. And now that I'm over 30, I'm finding it harder to relate to like a younger generation than myself. So yeah. for you, is it, I guess, what's the appeal of it for you? Is it the being taken care of aspect of it? Like, is it a financial kind of transaction for you or do you find yourself like, no, I, the financial aspect is a benefit, but I do like this kind of relationship. I think there's definitely a few reasons that drew me to it originally um i when i first started sugar dating i was i was in my early to mid 20s and i was still in school i was living alone because i refused to live with roommates at that point i was like done with that and um it was a means of supplementing my income and and helping support myself like it's nearly impossible as a single adult to 
live alone and have like a comfortable place to live like the housing crisis the like cost of living it's all it's insane so um it it seemed like a good way and a fun way of you know being able to just afford life in general like i and no shame to anybody else but i wasn't focused on gifts or luxury items or trips or travel or you know some of those benefits came along with it but my goal was just you know how can i make my life a little bit easier how can i get through school with less stress um not have to be working three jobs uh so everybody has their own reasons i think for for seeking out a, a sugar daddy or or getting into that lifestyle and uh I, I think what it comes down to typically is you just, you want a better life for yourself. I guess the ultimate kind of question, right? To just get right to it. Is it selling your soul in a way? Oof. No. <laughs> that's, I know that's kind of the most dramatic way of possibly phrasing it, but mm. I'll use this word because I can't think of another one. Like, is it cheapening the experience? Degraded. Degraded, <laughs> dirty, any of those kind of words. I I don't think it it cheapens anything. I don't feel that it's um, degrading or um, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I honestly believe that it in every relationship there's going to be some type of transaction, whether it is a very naturally formed relationship. You know, somebody that you met through friends, or there's always going to be a give and take, right? And I think the world has also kind of shifted to, you know, a lot of people don't want a traditional relationship. They, it's difficult to date and form relationships these days as well. And I think if <clears throat> you're a, a very busy person, um, that also impacts your ability to have the capacity to have a relationship. You know, you can only give so much of yourself. So when you have the opportunity to have fun, be with somebody who you in, enjoy spending time with, um, because I think these these relationships are still formed pretty naturally. You find somebody that you you have a genuine connection with. So it's not just, oh my God, she's really hot. I mean, it could be, but I, I think typically these um, relationships are formed a little more naturally. And it's, it's not just about having sex or getting sex and paying for it it's you know you find somebody that you want to have a good connection with and you know that you have the means to support that or support a certain lifestyle so it's just it's easier than maybe trying like regular online dating and then going through months of you know sifting through profiles and 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 on a maybe you know like what if she shows up doesn't look like her pictures and like that, that can still happen here in a sense, but you both are looking for a very similar goal and you're, I think, very more so upfront about it, about your lives and what you're, you're looking to attain out of this type of relationship. So instead of having to just find that needle in a haystack, it might be a little bit easier to try sugar dating instead. You know, it might be a little more conducive to the lifestyle that you currently have it seems a little bit like a business transaction i guess it, it can 
I don't I don't think you're reading into it in the wrong way because anytime we bring up like a transaction, then it it sounds like it sounds like business, right? And the way I view sugar dating, I still see it under the umbrella of sex work in general. So um I find it's a very it's a more loosely um brought together arrangement or transaction like uh, as opposed to where if if you're like a professional companion you're like straight up here are the rules here is exactly what you're um paying for my time you're like these are the boundaries of this transaction or this relationship whereas in sugar dating it can be a little more loosely defined there is more of a negotiation there i know um most most other sex workers um, they're like, there's no negotiation, like, here's how it's going to be. But in sugar dating, I find it's, it's more about finding what's going to work for both people. And there's a lot more discussion to it. There's a lot more, um, there's a lot more give and take, you know, it's not, it's also not defined by like how much time you're setting aside to be with this person. And I think a lot of people will get upset because there's there is so much stigma that's attached to sex work that they feel less stigmatized by going into sugar dating because they're like, well, I'm not a sex worker. But it's just wrapped up a little more nicely and presented to the public as, you know, here's it's just, you know, it's dating. What's wrong with that? Right. It's not um, it might be a little less conventional type of dating, but oh, look, this nice old man just wants to take care of this pretty young girl and give her a better life, right? It's it's more acceptable. It's more mainstream. And I think there's a lot less stigma attached to it. In the relationships that you've had, was sex a requirement of it? Was that something that just naturally happened? Um, I don't think I've ever seen um, a sex as a requirement, but it is typically involved in that kind of relationship but like i said earlier it depends on what both people are looking for what both people are comfortable with some people have sugar dating relationships that are purely virtual like it's just online there's you know maybe they're sexting but uh there's there's no actual physical contact but for myself personally anytime i i I meet a new um guy who you know, is like a prospective sugar daddy, then I, I let them know straight away, like sex is off the table for the first couple of dates. Cause I want to know if this person person is somebody that I'm going to have a good connection with, if it's going to be something that's ongoing. Um, and I feel like if, if they want to, um, you know, test the goods the first date then it's it's just going to be right off the bat like no this isn't going to work for me because i want to build something that is going to be a little longer not commitment but a longer um lasting relationship for whatever time that that does last but you know i've had i've had arrangements that lasted six months i've had a couple years it it all depends right but do you feel a pressure I can't say that there is now, but maybe when I first got into sugar dating, there definitely was. But I think that's also because I approached it with a lot of naivety. Like there's no, I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't have an idea of 
what my own personal boundaries were. I, I thought that, okay, sugar dating, there is this expectation where there has to be sex. You know, he's giving me something. I have to give something back in return. And I didn't see my own value as, you know, just companionship, just being myself and seeing that another person can respect that, that time and that um, connection that we can build and having fun together, going, you know, out for dinner, having activities, traveling. Um, I did pretty much boil it down to just a sexual thing. Like this is that kind of transaction. But I think as you get a little older and you understand a little bit more about what it can be, then no, it isn't, you don't feel as pressured because you're not also putting yourself in that situation where, um, you know, like you, you set your own boundaries. And I, I think you could tell right off the bat too, the, the type of people who they are looking for the really young, naive, maybe early college student, but like barely legal. Like there, unfortunately that is part of it too. You can tell there are older men that are specifically looking for young girls who are going to be naive or easily manipulated or taken advantage of, unfortunately. But I, I think that just happens everywhere in the world these days. So I guess that would be the kind of concern necessarily, right? If you want to use that word, is that somebody who is in a position of financial power is taking advantage of somebody that is not. Like how, if you put a percentage on it, what percentage of sugar dating relationships would you think are more of a power dynamic kind of relationship than a mutual kind of transaction? I'd I'd say for the for the women who are very very young, like just going into college, um, I I would hope that you know less of those arrangements are they're being you know they're not being taken advantage of um but i think it, it's still it happens it's i don't know if i could put a number on it to be honest but i know it still happens because when i was much younger there definitely were situations where i felt like okay this this guy really is trying to take advantage um you know the expectations were up here for what they wanted and um the, the sugar or the arrangement was being withheld, you know, like they're going to give you an allowance later on, but it never comes. So it's definitely a situation that happens where, you know, younger women are entering into these arrangements thinking that right off the bat, they're going to be given something in return and they're waiting and waiting and they're getting a lot of false promises and, uh, a lot of people call that carrot dangling. You know, this this guy is like, hey, I got I got this. You know, I'm going to provide something to you, but I'll just, you know, I'm I'm busy. I'm on a call right now. I'll get you later. For the men who are involved, for the generally the person who is you know, financially providing, are they doing it because they like doing that? Like, what is the general attraction to it for them? I would like to think, like, maybe altruistically that – um, these guys are just, they, they want to help uplift somebody else's life. They like that aspect of taking care of another person or just 
setting up some more financial security for somebody who is just becoming established in their career or going through college or, you know, they can remember being at that point in their life, remembering how much of a struggle it was. So maybe they get something out of it. You know, maybe it's fulfilling to them to know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing something that helps them genuinely. But I think there's just so many different reasons that that brings them into it. It's not always it's not always about it everything that they can get out of it. There are some genuine people out there that they see it as, yeah, this is, it's good for me, but it's also good for them. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. How is this different from financial domination? Mm. Um, that's a good one. Uh, I guess primarily uh, it would depend on the arrangement. If, if you are a dom, then um, you could find an, a, a sugar dating arrangement where you do have a submissive and then it, it could be um, just about the like FinDom, like financial domination. Um, I think it's it's the people who are looking for FinDom are seeking that out specifically. So the people who are typically drawn to sugar dating, it's, I mean, they're looking for their own type of arrangement. They're, you know, you can't put a very specific label on on sugar dating because there are so many different types of arrangements that you can can have. But um, recently, I did I met somebody um, on one of those sugar dating sites, and he was looking to be a submissive, not necessarily a financial submissive, but um, just a submissive in general. And he's like, he was interested in. Um, uh, female-led relationship. So, you know, the woman's calling all the shots. He is basically the, the beta in the relationship. You know, she takes whatever he's making and makes all the, the financial decisions. And, uh, you know, he just, he's there to support the lifestyle that she wants. And for me, that dynamic, I mean, I've entertained it, but I'm not super dominant. So... I could play that role. I could put that role on if I wanted to. But for me, it was just, it feels like more like work. So. <laughs> what is an allowance and what is the most and least allowance you've ever had or heard of? Um, so an allowance, um, that is basically just the the financial compensation that, that you're seeking out of an arrangement. Some people like to consider an allowance anytime there's financial compensation so it could be like per date this is what the the sugar daddy's giving you for each time that you meet um some arrangements it'll be like a monthly allowance or a weekly allowance or whatever you know it can it can just it's whatever the compensation may be um when i first started sugar dating and was pretty naive and and new to it um i think the lowest amount I was asking for a date was like $200. And um, I guess I can't really put a a huge number. Okay, if I put a number on like the monthly allowance that I received, like at the high end, it would probably be about seven grand. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it was very, it was a lot more flexible. also, I like I had my own credit card with my name on it that he provided me with. So, uh, which 
I was I was pretty responsible with like I didn't go any crazy shopping trips. Maybe in hindsight I should have like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was it was very flexible in in terms of the financial amount that was provided. But yeah, that was, and I know there are other arrangements where like their allowance might be ten grand a month, twenty grand a month. How do these relationships usually end? Um, I think people's life lifestyles just change you know they're um my (laughs) my last arrangement ended because we almost got married (laughs) but in in order for that to to work i would have had to immigrate to a different country and um i got cold feet and there were already some some problems within the relationship so i know that's a very unique situation but people's lives change, people grow apart. Um, I, I feel like oftentimes it's maybe the the sugar baby who ends up ending things because maybe they're done school, you know, they don't need that kind of financial support anymore. And maybe they just want a more traditional relationship. They want to be able to have a partner that they can actually introduce to their family, you know, without any judgment or stigma, I guess. That would be the thing, right? Like in the relationships that you've had, like, have you been introduced to the family? So, I mean, this is kind of funny because um, I've jokingly called myself a failed sugar baby in the past <laughs> because I've had I've had three separate arrangements that shifted into more of a traditional um, relationship. And so those individuals, like they, they met my family, they, I was in more involved in their life. You know, we didn't have to be discreet in public or discreet between our own like family and friend groups. And um, uh, I, I could go to work events with one. I, you know, it, I guess it depends on how comfortable you are with the, the fact that if, if it is a, and still an arrangement, then seeing if if both parties are comfortable being more open about it and sharing more of their lives with each other that's fine it depends on the people right if uh they're not worried about facing any any sort of judgment from other people either how have you how have kind of people close to you how have they generally reacted to it um (laughs) i mean when when i first started i didn't tell anybody i wasn't really in the um the mindset of like being open about that aspect of my life. And I was worried that um, I'd, I'd face some judgment from others or like weird looks on the street or, you know, disappointing my parents or something like that, you know. But as I got a little bit older and then as I also got into sex work, like professionally, um, I started to be a lot more open because I felt like I was living two lives and I didn't want to have to hide certain aspects of my life from the people that I cared about. And it wasn't an easy conversation. I don't think it's ever going to be an easy conversation because you're, you're coming from a place where there is all of these um, societal expectations and, and perceptions and, and stigma and judgment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just decided to live a little bit more openly because that's what worked for me. 
this may be getting like into crossing the line into kind of territory. That would be the thing, right? Like, cause I'm a father and I don't know, I don't know how I would react if like, who's coming to dinner? <laughs> You're okay. You're what? <laughs> I would have, I would have questions, <laughs> I guess. Do you felt like you experienced that kind of a thing? It was a little strange um, with my, my last arrangement, like, and, and I consider this my last one because it was the last long-term one. But this was the guy who um, lived in, in the U.S. who I was I was dating for a while and it turned into uh, more of a serious relationship. So he did meet my family. He did, um, you know, like because we were turned into that traditional relationship, he wanted to meet my family and I wanted them to know like, okay, this is who I'm with. And I wanted to be honest about like how we met and how it started. And so it was definitely a tricky conversation at first. He definitely understood where I was coming from and the motivations that I had that led me to this point because we, we were always a very poor family. You know, he provided the best he could for, for all of us kids, but I think he understood that, coming from there and then um, going into either sugar dating or sex work, it had opened up doors for me and opportunities for me that he was never able to do. So his primary concern was, are you safe? And are you being treated well? And, you know, so long as those two things are, are happening and you're happy and you're consenting and you're doing something that you're okay with, then I'm okay with. This one just says main or side. And so I guess what they mean by that is like in these kind of relationships is, 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 are you generally kind of like, no, this is the only person that they have, or do they usually have like multiple people? It depends on the person. I've been in arrangements where I knew that they were married or they had a, a, a long-term relationship already. Um, and then I've also been in arrangements where I was under the belief that I was the only sugar baby um, or the only other person like that, you know, they're having a relationship with in that sense. But um, I, I honestly, it's, it's just kind of like dating in the, in the real world. You know, you, you don't always know if this other person is seeing other people. Are these kind of relationships, where do you think this kind of stands? Is it becoming more popular, less popular? I don't know if it's becoming more popular. I think it's becoming more discussed. It's because it's in the media and because we have access to so much online and there's all these, you know, different um, websites that can connect people for specifically sugar dating that maybe it has become a little more popularized. But I think also society is shifting a little bit where we're more, a little more accepting of, different types of relationships that might seem untraditional. You think you'll keep doing it? Um, while it works for me, I guess. I, I find that as opposed to um, like professional companionship, so the majority of what I do right now as a sex worker, um, sugar dating has become a little more time-consuming and a little more complicated to to find the right type of arrangement 
Um, I've still, I've met, you know, I had a few coffee dates with people. I just haven't found the right like fit. You know, I, if I'm looking for, for, um, a sugar dating relationship, then I want it to not feel like work as opposed to the way sex work can feel like work. What advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about doing this? Um, I think the best piece of advice I can give to anybody who is thinking about sugar dating is just know, know your worth, know um, your boundaries. And I, I think that's the hardest thing for anybody to learn in any aspect of life is just what you want for yourself and the boundaries you want to set for yourself. And um, don't let anybody take advantage of you. I know that might, that's probably um, shit advice because I, I had to learn the hard way. There's no guidebook to being a sugar baby. Uh, try, to, try to find some valuable information from people who have been involved in the lifestyle. But just know, know what you want for yourself and what's going to work best for you. And, and um, yeah, that's about it. So what would you say like kind of the – what is the life like? Because what I'm imagining it as being is like, all right, we're going to dinner, going to a nice dinner, we're going to go to a show, we're going to go on trips, and then at the end of the night, we're going to have sex. It, it can be. That's the, that's the fun part of it because it, it, it really can be whatever you make it and whatever you want out of it. If you find a really good um, relationship with a guy who likes to travel, who loves fine dining, who you know, enjoys all of these experiences and wants to take you along for that, then you can find that. But um, if you're a little more um, conservative like me, I'm, I'm more focused on building financial security, saving money. I, I don't really care about luxury items. If somebody gifts me like a luxury bag, I'm probably going to sell it and put that in my TFSA or RRSPs. So um, it, for me, that experience has been a little bit different because it's it's more about just creating a sustainable life for myself. Travel has been part of it. Um, when I was dating the guy in Chicago, we, we went to, well, I'd go back and forth to Chicago every month from Ottawa. So I'd stay with him for about a week and then I'd go back home and then I'd go back and <laughs> did that monthly. Um, but we, you know, traveled to other places. Um, San Diego was fun. Got to go to San Diego Zoo. Um, still haven't been to Europe. So if there are any sugar daddies that uh, want to take me to Europe, I mean, shameless plug right here. But yeah, it, that, that bene those benefits can be part of it. It's really, it's you make what you you want out of it and hopefully you have the arrangement that you want but it's it's it can also be like a normal relationship too where it takes takes a bit of work you know and it takes a bit of coordination and and finding the right person so what are the dating sites like cuz what i'm imagining is like they put their income on there or something uh some of them they do some, I think they're allowed to like hide it if they don't want to display it, but I find that kind of annoying. Um. <laughs> Do you verify it? Like, oh, wait, this guy says he's worth $10 million, but I need to see some tax returns. See, that is um, – God, that, that opens a whole other little can of worms if we have time. But there's – it's very hard to verify these people because most of the profiles are 
just like your regular your dating site they might have a username but you can't just look this person up on google and be like oh yeah he is the ceo of whatever and whatever you know um you're i think this is also part of what makes sugar dating a little more risky because you're just going off of the information they've decided to share with you so for example I started seeing somebody. It evolved into a traditional relationship. But from the get-go, I met him under a certain name. And um, I, I thought I knew who he was as a person. I introduced him to my family as this is so-and-so. And four years later, down the road, thanks to Facebook, by the way, um, women have these, these groups about, like, are we dating the same guy? For whatever reason I was on this group and I saw a photo come up and it's him standing next to another lady (laughs) and, but a different name, a completely different name. And that's when it sunk in. I was like, he was married the whole time. I really knew nothing about him. He had this whole other life that I knew nothing about. Um, And how was I supposed to verify that? Like there were some red flags early on that, that came up and certain things kind of clued in. And I think that's really because there was no trust and no honesty in that relationship. That's why that relationship started to uh, unravel. But I had no idea who he was until after the fact and called him out on it, which felt really good. But <laughs> I feel like that yeah. can, that can happen in any relationship, right? It like can. that's not yeah, a, exactly. like a, yeah, we have catfishes now. We, you know, you, you never really know someone completely but i think this is this is what i mean by sugar dating can be a little more risky than as opposed to sex work because well i think it's all under the same umbrella as sex work but compared to being a professional companion you're doing screening on all your clients typically so usually they have to verify you know either with photo id references like this is who i am um to just allow them into your space to for allow them to come see you. And with sugar dating, there's not really that same um, aspect to it, at least not in the experience that I've had where, you know, people are verifying who they're actually meeting. And I think this is also how it allows more men who um, are trying to take advantage or, you know, Maybe they didn't pass screening for um, a companion. They're like, oh, okay, well, I can just go find a really naive 20-year-old sugar baby and pay her phone bill, and then I get what I want. That's pretty much all the questions that we got. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, wants to learn more, that kind of stuff, what should they do? Um, I think the easiest way is following me on Twitter. Um, My main Twitter account's Your McKenna. Uh, You can find me on my website at OnlyMckenna.com. Uh, dot com and um my tiktok uh also only mckenna i want to thank mckenna so much for joining us if you want to connect with her we have linked to her on our social media accounts we're profoundly pointless on tiktok instagram and youtube and the youtube version of this interview will be live on november 2nd at 4 30 p.m pacific okay now let's bring in john Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Is there anything you wouldn't do for money? 
I mean, no. The well, I think that I wouldn't cross over any sexual lines. Like I'm a heterosexual man. I don't think that I would cross over into the other realm, even for a lot of money. I don't think that I would do that. It's cool if that's how you roll. Don't take this the wrong way, but yeah, I don't. I don't think I would cross any lines either. What if it was ten billion dollars, though? Like, man, if but that's the <sighs> thing, though. Once it's right, I think it's easy to say that you would not. But if it was put in front of you, <laughs> you got ten billion cash sitting right there. Mm. I'm pretty sure I would do a lot of stuff I wouldn't have thought that I would do. Yeah, I mean, I guess if 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 someone is uh, if it's a reality. I mean, that's probably going to change most people's minds. What do you still consider to be a lot of money? I mean, I, I mean, about 500 grand. Oh, I was going to say like $10. I still consider $10 to be a pretty good amount of money. I mean, I don't know. I think if you have if you have any cash on you at all, I think that's a valid question. Do people even still carry cash? I do. I have some cash, but it's more of like a coincidental thing that I have some cash. I don't purposely do it. I usually take out money every paycheck Friday just to have it, you know, in case I'm at a restaurant and I just want to tip with cash or, you know, the vending machine at work. Got to get those butterfingers. You take money out of your paycheck in cash? Mm-hmm. Like how much money out of your paycheck in cash? I mean, it, it varies, but between 50 and $100. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something ridiculous, like you took out a thousand or you took out five bucks. It's like, what's the point? And that's way too much. That's a reasonable amount. Okay. I got I got okay. bills to pay, man. I can't be taking out a, a lot of money. Uh, my other question that I wanted to ask you is, would you eat food out of your own trash? Depends where it is in the trash and how long it's been in there. If it's on the top... Like, I just threw it away, you know, and I, I want to go back and just finish it off. Okay. If it's something like, say, you know, right now I'm talking to you and I go, man, I, I want to go g- get the rest of that, you know, egg sandwich from this morning out of the trash. That's not happening. No. I could wait as much as a minute and still eat food out of my own trash. Uh, how long, uh, say, a piece of food or, or something that's on the floor, how long is a suitable time? for you to pick it up and eat it still. If it's on the floor at my house, oh, like an hour. <laughs> I would honestly, if food just fell on the floor at my own house before it went rotten, like if I drop a chip on my floor at 1 p.m. and I come back at 7 p.m. and it's still there, I'm probably going to eat it. I don't really have a time limit for any food that is non-perishable on my own floor. If we're talking about, like, outside, 15, 20 seconds. Okay. All right. I don't have a problem with it. How, like, how quickly would you eat it? I mean, I'll eat it anywhere, really. Restaurant, grocery store. The only place that I would, that I actually get, I don't want to say the, the, the creepy jeepies, but the only place where I'm like, man, I'm not, I don't want to touch this floor is a public restroom bath, like, uh, bathroom floor. But so, you will go bare cheeks in there, which we've discussed before. I will I will go bare cheeks all day long in there. It's disgusting. Okay. All right, let's give some shout-outs here. Uh, we'll start with Reagan Shituck, Julie Amber, two first names, Andres Mendoza, Khalil Harb, Ariel Thomas, Gabe Christian, 
Rebecca Rabato. Say that four times fast. Michael Lindsay, Brady Clark, and Makina Valadez. Very. It's amazing. For people who only listen to this show, it's amazing to watch John. It's like, it's just amazing. The level of focus. <laughs> I'm in it. Man. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in it. I, I got to make sure I don't screw things up because, you know, y'all out there who comment on our social media, you're kind of ruthless. So I got to, I got to make sure I get this right. As it should be. I think that there needs to be more ruthlessness in the world, right? People are too used to getting away with their own crap too much. Let's get your thoughts, get your opinions on a couple of things here. Uh, one, out of all of these 90s trends, clothing trends that apparently are resurging, uh, which one to you is the one that you'd want to keep around? Uh, graphic tees, flannel shirts, or baggy jeans? I don't mind all of those in limited qualities, to be honest with you. But a graphic shirt is what? It's just got a design on it? No, it's like, the, you know, it's the, the, like the, the big, like the big picture. It takes up most of the shirt. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it's a graphic. Those team. went away? <laughs> well, I mean, I think so. I don't even know anything about style. Like baggy pants, like comfortable clothing, like comfortable baggy or just giant baggy and ridiculous, like Jinko level. Oh, man. I, you know, I used to have a pair or two of Jinko jeans. My mother, who bought them for me, I, I, I'll never forget this. As I'm walking out of the house with my eyeliner on and my dyed did hair. You really have, did you really have eyeliner and dyed hair? I mean, yes, on the eyeliner. The hair was a hairspray dye. I don't know if you remember that, but you could literally buy hair dye, but like in an aerosol can. So you would just spray it and it would change, you know. Obviously, people bought it for the different colors, but, you know, I, I would get black so I could have jet black hair because I, I brown hair for those of you that have never seen a video of us. Um, so, yeah, so I would spray it in the morning before school, put my eyeliner on, put on my Power Man 5000 T-shirt, my Vans and my Jinko jeans and head off to sixth grade. In sixth grade, you were wearing eyeliner? I feel like that's aggressive. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I was a sixth grader in the late night, well, mid to late nineties. And that's when, you know, that's the Marilyn Manson's, the power man, five thousands, the, you know, Limp biscuits, corn, all that, you know, it's, it's all good. Okay. Do you regret that? Or were you like, all right, I did that. How do you feel about like lifestyle choices where you're embarrassed later? Well, I always seem to dabble in things uh fashion wise and it never turns out well for me because for one my body type is not suitable for anything fashionable i'm just i'm way too big of a man um you know i mean the, the last one right was skinny jeans yeah a decade ago and i first off i don't know how i got into them because even you know 40 50 pounds skinnier than or whatever i was skinny jeans are not made for a man that's you know 5'11", 240 pounds. They're just not. I've never been like a trendy person in style. I've always generally had the same kind of like just boring clothing. I just wear like clothes. I mean, I've, I, 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 like I said, I've, I've always kind of dipped my toes in. When Jordans came out uh, or when they got really mega popular in the mid-90s, I had a couple of pair of those, which, you know, were insanely expensive. Griffies, when you you know, for 
all of you 90s kids out there, Griffies were big. Um, you know, I <laughs> this is embarrassing, but probably out of everything I've ever tried to be fashionable about, the FUBU and Rockaware days were probably my my worst decisions just because yeah dude you put a big guy in a giant puffy jacket and these big boots it just it didn't look natural so why did you try all these travel trends are they all these different trends out like were you trying to find yourself or were you trying to fit in probably trying to fit in but you know kind of it kind of almost plays along oddly enough to what you asked at the beginning of this segment and like what would i do for a million dollars well I didn't get paid to do this, but I'm always up to try things. Like I'm always, I've always been up to be a good sport and, and see things. And that's how I kind of view all, all these moments of my life. I would agree with everything, but the eyeliner, like that's taking it a step too far. Anyways, my <laughs> next question is, uh, have you ever been a sleepwalker? No, I've never slept walk. Have you? I have, um, few times in my life, more when I was a young, younger person, but I have done it, you know, as an adult, but the question is pretty simple. It's just could, and I, I've never been with anybody or lived with anyone that has been, but I was reading an article the other day, not sure if it's true or not, but I'm pretty sure the most terrifying thing would be to wake up to a, some kind of noise coming from somewhere in your house yeah, and you, and yeah. you go to investigate that and someone's just standing there with a blank stare on their face, just opening the, you know, the door or just banging a pan up and down. Uh, and it's, it's terrifying. So I want to know if you've ever been in that situation. And if you were in that situation, theoretically, what would you do? Would you try to snap them out of it? Would you just tackle that person to the ground because they're possessed by a demon? What would you do? Oh, I mean, probably something if they're in my house, like I'm probably going to do something and start with violence. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that it is, right? Like I'm sure. not going to be sitting there wasting around time, like figuring out like, oh, no, this person just happens to be sleepwalking. <laughs> like, no, it's going to start the other way. My wife had an experience. Well, I guess we both had an experience. She was, call it seven or eight months pregnant with our second child. And there was a woman that was on some kind of something that had like wandered into the backyard and she was sitting there, but my wife was doing dishes at the sink, which looked out into the backyard and this woman's face just pops up directly in front of her in the backyard. And so she yells, I don't know what's going on, but I run outside and on the way I grab a knife. Like, here we go. It's time to go. (laughs) So, I mean, that's not going to, like, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to be asking a lot of questions, I don't think. I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this, but uh, I presume you did not have to use the knife. I didn't. I Once I got out there and I figured out, like, oh, this woman is clearly, like, off her mind. <laughs> Just got her out of there. It was like, you're in the wrong place. You got to go now. And she left. But Well, and, yeah. and now now that we're officially in November... I have to ask this question. I feel like it's an annual question until I get a good answer out of you. Uh, falling back, bringing forward daylight savings time. Uh, is it a waste of time? Do you appreciate it? Did you even know that come this Saturday we are supposed to fall back an hour? I knew that because I knew it's always around Halloween. 
That's the only reason that I know that. Otherwise, I don't care. I don't understand why we do it. It's one of those things that we should probably just stop doing, but we're not going to stop doing it. Instead, we'll just continue on perpetuity. All right. Well, do you know what time it is? Is that your segue into your candle of the month? Okay, wait. Hold on. Sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can't. Hold on. It's time! Candle of the month, the outlaw candle connoisseur rides again. Whale, Nick, here we are. Did you say whale or well? I said whale, Nick, here we are. Why? Your impressions of things are just terrible. I'm trying to be. All right, anyways. um, (laughs) So here we go. Uh, Head over. You can either go to Amazon, pick this candle up. You can head over to the PF candle company uh, or candle store uh kind of an interesting backstory in this candle so i didn't realize this this was giving given to us as a wedding gift seven years ago just found it this summer just happened to be uh moving some stuff into my newly furnished basement and uh found this candle asked my wife and she said got it from the wedding uh it was a wedding gift from somebody uh lit it up maybe about two weeks ago and I burned it all the way through. That's how fantastic it was. So by PF Candle Company, uh, it's called the uh, number 28 Black Fig Candle. And it is it is delicious. It is soothing. It is, I don't know how to accurately describe it other than you light it. It's seven ounces. Um, so not too big, but um, you get a very woody like a, it starts kind of woody, like you're out in the forest, like you're taking a nice walking, crisp weather, and then it finishes strong with that fig uh, 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 essence, and it's just it's very awesome. Um, it is kind of pricey. Uh, it's about it's gonna it's seven ounces, which is not a lot. I mean, you're gonna get probably twelve to twenty hours runtime on that. It's gonna cost you about twenty five bucks, but uh, it is worth it, and it's a good candle, and um, yeah, it's. I wanted something that's that kind of signifies fall, and I did not expect this candle to do that at all. So I was very pleasantly surprised. I don't even know. Like a fig has a certain people like the smell and feel of figs. I, I mean, I don't. I, I have no idea. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, I, 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 I like figs myself. Um, but this isn't. This isn't like the. You're not going to get a sweet savory like feeling from this candle it's almost going to be like you're walking in the woods on a crisp cold autumn day and then as it's wrapping up is when you're going to get more of like the inside in front of the fire maybe you got a little wall refresher in and you get a little bit of that sweetness and then it burns out and you're like i need like what just happened 15 hours went by so fast do you have a candle burning in your house, in every room in your house? I mean, pretty close. I mean, not to actually go through it, but I mean, every bathroom, the kitchen, the dining room, the living room, all three bedrooms, the basement. Yeah, so I mean, pretty close. At the same time? Not always, no. Not not all at the same time, but 
I mean, on any given Sunday, right? Great movie, by the way. Uh, on any given day, I mean, maybe three to five at at the same time. So can you ever smell then if something is like wrong in the house or are you just covering up <laughs> odors all the time? Like the floorboards could be rotting. There could be a dead rat under that, but you've got 18 <laughs> candles burning. So you don't even know. It's it's become something now to where oh, I well, not now. It's I mean, for the last five, six years, um, I enjoy going from room to room and having the different aromas. Just walking around yeah ah it's it's you know it's it's great and uh you know uh, we have an insert fireplace and uh for any of you out there that may have one or just a fireplace in general in your home uh i didn't realize this but they actually sell uh like they sell wood that can be scented i didn't know that but they offer yeah, in, for inserts they have like plugins that you can plug into your insert and you can turn on the blower and it will blow out like you know you know like firewood or something uh okay so our top 5 is top 5 best traits for people to have now i have to ask you is are when you say traits you mean like intellectual things right personality Not- Personality characteristics, yes. Not so like top five personality characteristics. Not like nice eyes or a tight butt or something, but like personality. And then how about after you give your trait, give yourself a rating on a scale of one to ten where you think you personally fit in that. Okay. All right. Uh well, this is gonna be this should be interesting. Uh so my number five for traits, I have self awareness as my number five. Oh, that's a good one. And self-awareness is a good one. Yeah. I will give myself up, up until maybe a year or two ago, I would have given myself a four. Oh yeah. You're not a self-aware person. I I've gotten a lot better. I think, um, I, I would say I'm at a seven now. Uh, you know, I, I, I still will do things for fun and, and maybe I don't realize certain things, but there, there definitely was a point in time to where I was not self-aware at all and not like the self-aware where i would just stay say and do things and make others around me feel uncomfortable that was included but uh, i just i i didn't never pay attention to my surroundings and it just wasn't a good thing yeah yeah i would agree with that i don't know if you were a four i would say that you were probably a little bit higher mm-hmm. maybe like right. five or a six but yeah just a um, one rung higher but it's all good no big deal, right? Uh, my number five is being on time. Because okay. I think that punctuality says a lot about somebody. Shows that they have respect for their time and respect for your time, which I think goes a long, long way. And they're organized, generally. So what what are you rating yourself? Probably a seven. I'm generally on time, but I'm not always prepared. So preparation, in addition to being punctual, is goes together uh you're saying yeah but i also believe that preparation in a lot of circumstances is kind of overrated because whatever plan that you had is ultimately just going to fall apart and then you're going to have to pick the pieces up from that so why have a plan in the first place is kind of the way that i look at it i generally take everything with like let's see what happens you do you're definitely um like a pessimistic optimistic person i don't even know what the term is for that but oh Oh, I think that I generally believe that 
bad things are going to happen and that whatever plan that people have in place is going to fail. But I'm usually not too worried about it. Like, you'll just do something else and adapt. That, just so people know, that is actually you. That is not you fabricating anything. Um, all right. My Speaking of, kind of along the same line, my number four is opt- optimism. Yeah. I don't Gotta, know if I would put it on my list, but being up, like, you don't like to be around negative people a lot. Cannot, you know, not handle negative people. Too much, as, as we all know. Way too much negativity in the world right now and hate and other things. Uh, I, I probably actually could have put this in my top two, but um, it'll sit at number four. I think that's a good spot for it. And I'll say uh, I'm like an eight and a half. I'm a very optimistic person. I am. I don't want to say I'm happy-go-lucky, but uh, I definitely always try to see the other side of things and uh, be optimistic, try to work through problems. Like Never really been a negative person uh, that I can think of on a regular basis. I would agree with that. My number four is aggressiveness. I don't think that you want to be too aggressive, but I think that being a little bit aggressive or pushing for the things that you want, going after things, I think that's a really good quality. I don't like it when people are the opposite of just kind of waiting for stuff to happen. So I think aggressiveness to a degree is a really good quality. Maybe maybe a seven. I think I might be a seven. Okay. But I could go, if somebody was to say no and say that I was two points higher or two points lower, I probably would not disagree with them in either of those assessments. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with your seven. I mean, you're, I mean, you've never not ever gotten what you've gone after and you've always pushed yourself to be better. So I'll give you a That's seven. That's a pep talk. That's a, ah. that's a pep talk. All right, what's your number three? What did you message me the other day? Rocky speech, man. Rocky um, speech. Uh, so my number three, I could put so many on here. Uh, it's it was, it was hard for me to come up with a real like confident list. Uh, so my number three, I'm just going to say you have to be generous. You have to be kind. Okay. It's all right. You know, and, well, I mean, I, I think it's important, and I also think that it, it's that's part of getting through life is treating others well. Um, but regardless, so all of that and saying that I'll say I'm, I'm probably like a nine. I'm a really good person. I treat people well. I'm generous. I'm kind. Um, you know, I have a saying, treat people like people. And uh, I mean, worked out so, so far. Okay. I don't know if we've reached the age where we can say I have a saying yet. Oh. But if I do have a saying, I usually attribute it to something that my grandpa said. Me when too. actually it was something that I say. <laughs> That's what, yeah. Well, I got it from you, so thank you. That's the best way to do it. Because you can't, like, you can't say anything brilliant. You have to pretend like somebody else told you it. <laughs> that way people will listen to you. Uh, my number three is a sense of humor. And I yeah. would say, God, I might be like a nine or a ten in that. No, you're not funny. Oh, I'm not saying that I'm funny, but I look at li- the funny side of life. That everything about yeah. life is ultimately kind of funny. Yeah, I I'll get back to that actually, because because I will. Uh, my number two, and this is probably the most important one on my list. Uh, but you you got to be honest. You got to have honesty. Mm. Uh, and to be honest, you could probably put honesty, integrity as the same thing for me. Um, 
I'm a 10. I, I don't, I mean, people will tell you that, and you know this, that I embellish. I, I, I'm not a liar. I'm honest. I'm pretty black and white when I actually have to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I give myself a 10, 100% on this one. It is hard to hear you say, I embellish, and then say, I'm a 10 in honesty directly after it. But well, I, I do kind of know what you mean, right? I don't, I don't in know. In your what the, mind, it's true. I don't know what the dictionary says the actual definition of embellishment is. But to me, it's adding vivid details to a, a story that may not be true, but the person knows that they are not true. It's not like telling a flat out lie, um, which is quite different. Wait, so the person that you're telling has to know that they're not quite true? Yeah, like Sam telling you, you a, have to know that they're not quite like true. Sam telling you a story, and it's so like, oh yeah, I remember that time ten years ago when you and I got wasted, and you know, you ended up throwing up over the side of your balcony, and you threw up on four people, and yada yada yada. You're like, I don't think that ever happened, man. I'm like, yeah, I probably didn't, but it's a good good part of the story. It's a right? good like, enough story, right? Yeah, that's what I. Mean. Yeah, yeah, I have my. That's my number two too. Is like trust, and I would also agree that even though I have it number two, trust is probably the most important thing. Essentially, our entire society, both our personal relationships and our societal relationships, revolve around trust. Without that, the whole thing breaks down. Well, <laughs> it's, right? Yeah, that's why I mean, it's such a problem now. It's it's definitely, you know, getting there. Uh, all right, my number one, and I, I think this is the most important interpersonal skill that you should have, and that's uh, having some humility. Mm. Being able to not take yourself seriously all the time. I also think it's important to be able to laugh at yourself in a healthy way. Um, and And, you know, once again, just not not be afraid to maybe make somebody else laugh as long as it's healthy and you know not damaging to your your inner self where do you feel like you're at in humility nine and eight and nine i mean i i've i'm on this podcast if anyone wants to scroll back to any other episode i'm sure there's a especially in the beginning when you were just throwing daggers at me um you know humility is very it's very important, and I think it's a it's a good you know trait to to possess. I would agree with that. My number one though is being a good listener. I think that's the most important and the best trait for somebody to have, not just to listen to what you're saying, but actually to like kind of understand where somebody is coming from. I think that if you can generally put yourself in somebody else's shoes, you can understand most of the things that people do. Yeah, that's on my honorable mention. I mean, listening is. It's one of the most important things to do. Just not sure that's necessarily a trait. Like listening to me is a skill. Mm. Like it's it's something that you learn. It's something that you have to apply as where I feel like a, a – and I, I'm probably wrong in this. I feel like a trait is something that you're kind of already born with and you either choose to possess it or not as where – I think personal I think that listening though comes from like caring about what that person has to say. I think that sure. if you're not listening to somebody then you're ultimately saying, "Well, I don't really care what you have to say. I don't care about the things that are happening to you." So I think that listening is related to like empathy or being a kind person really. Do do you think what what where do you think you rate on the listening scale? What'd you say? See? How many times have I been telling a story on here and you're like, I stopped listening? 
No, 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 no. I was listening. I just decided I didn't care. See? That's <laughs> different. I heard what you were saying. I decided I didn't care or was interested by See? it. See? And that's, that's that's the same thing. Like I but I was listening enough to know that I was done with this. But see, a kind seven or an eight. A kind listener would have let me completed it, edited it out, and and still made me feel like it was important enough for them to listen to instead of cutting me off. But a slightly aggressive person, which I also think is a good characteristic to have, would cut you off and say, "Like, look, I'm not paying attention to this. Like, you need to wrap this story up." Do you have anything in your honorable mention that really stands out? Uh, I mean, I just mentioned that, um, patience, patience is an, is an important one. Oh yeah. It's a virtue. (laughs) 13 commandments, right? Or something like that. Anyways. Um, I also have confidence and ambitiousness. I think those are, you know, confidence is important. And sometimes I, I feel like all you have to do is be a confident person and you don't have to have any skill at anything and you'll be successful. I would put kindness on that list, but I think that kindness kind of gets wrapped up into a lot of these other things. Like if you're honest with people, if you're a good listener, if you're on time, if you have a sense of humor, then you probably are pretty kind. So I don't think that you need to have that stand out on its own. Mm. Well, one thing's for sure. Big titties. (laughs) (laughs) Big old dong. Oh, boy. And we're done. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the best personality traits. I think it would be really hard to be trustworthiness and sense of humor. But if there's something else that you think, no, 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 this is the best personality trait. Let us know. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.